Kia everybody, what's up? It is Rebet. Welcome to Rebet Live. Uh, in America it is Tuesday, in New Zealand it is Wednesday, and we are lucky enough to have, we've got our first international guest, Mark Fidelman. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm the first international guest, huh? Yeah, you are the, you, we've expanded out of the, the bubble of New Zealand and we're going virtual. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm going to read a little thing. It's extremely um, impressive, so just give me a second while I give you a bit of uh, biography props, which I've um, copy and pasted from a very credible website. Uh, Mark Fidelman is the uh, CEO of Fanatics Media, a full-service digital marketing agency with a focus on B2B and B2C influencer marketing. Very interested to get into that. Uh, Mark has also been named uh, by one of the top 20 influencers of uh, CMOs by Forbes magazine a top 25 social media keynote speaker by Inc. Magazine and Huffington Post top 50 most social CEOs. Yada, yada, yada. Weapon, weapon, weapon. You know what's going on with the media social content space, so let's get into it. Uh, where are you and what's going on, buddy? So I'm in Los Angeles, and by the way, my experience with uh, New Zealand was phenomenal. So uh, uh, love my What'd experience you there. Where'd huh? you go? What happened? I went to, I, I, and I'm going to remember, I, the one place I, I wanted to go, I didn't go, but I went to Christchurch. Yeah. Um, I, and there's a few other cities, but I never got out in the, the country where the, you know, the Lord of the Rings was filmed or any of that, unfortunately, but you know, when I go back, I, I'm definitely gonna, I'm gonna do that this time with a significant other, I hope. The ego. I am. Um, I grew up in Christchurch, so I know, know this spot pretty well. That's cool, man. That's, I didn't realize you'd gone there already. Oh, yeah. Um, and so for those, how would you just, how would you describe yourself? Uh, about six foot one, 180 pounds. Uh, <laughs> uh, this isn't the dating line, right? No, not, not, no, not the okay. show. It's too, too early. It's only seven yeah. o'clock in New Zealand. That's fine. Okay. All right. Uh, this, um, so what I do is I kind of, I'm a student of marketing, uh, uh, just to be serious for a moment. And I'm always looking for ways to provide my clients with low cost ways of driving the right customer, educating them and to get them to buy if that solution is appropriate for them, whether it's a consumable, whether it's uh, you know, a B2B service, whatever it is, you know, you really want to educate your your audience. And and I look for very expensive ways to do that. I look for ways to reach them, present to them in either an educational or entertaining way. And hopefully at the end of the day, they see the value and they, they purchase. Now, so you're middleman on the, the content side of understanding marketing and digital. You obviously got the podcasting, which is up and running. The media landscape in New Zealand, um, it's caught up a lot in the last over the last decade. I mean, if we rewind back, originally we'd get, you know, um, Sally, Jesse, Raphael shows a year late. We'd get Ricky Lake, we'd get Oprah, and it'd literally be a year or two late. And now we've got down to the spot where, you know, um, the the last dance came on the other the other day and within I think it was about seven hours it was then in New Zealand so we've successfully managed through digital technology and media to be able to I guess catch up in, in many ways the the landscape right now in America when it comes to marketing with COVID what have you seen happen specifically across what different what different pieces because New Zealand it's really interesting because New Zealand we're everyone's gone to zero. But then I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued with your take on the ecosystem here with how it's bubbling away. So from, from what I could tell, there are a few industries that are spending more money, but across the board, it's probably down 50%. And I'm actually going to shoot a video right after this to put on LinkedIn that goes through the statistics. So finally, there's been some companies that, are, that have been out there. They went out and surveyed a bunch of marketers and you know they've got a kind of a, 
a view, at least in the United States, of what they're thinking. There are a few industries, the essential industries, also esports, um, that are doing extremely well. Um, but that they're the exception, not the rule. So, you know, from my perspective, a lot of marketing is down and probably should be because if your customers can't buy from you, uh, then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you, know, you stop trying to market to people, or at least the marketing that you put out there is more branding in in uh, waiting for this thing to end uh, or slowly start to um, you know, allow us to be out of quarantine. And they're branding because they want to stay ahead of their competition, so that when it does, you know, we're out of quarantine, they're ready to hit the ground running. It's quite been really interesting watching the response from brands, right? Um, there was, it feels like every single business has done the same copy paste um, video. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, you know, soft piano in the background, moving shots of empty spaces, or, you know, high fives and handshakes of what life was. And it was quite weird because I, I, I saw the first one and almost like they won by default because they seemed to have got it, right? And then I saw another one and another one and another one. And then funnily enough, someone sent me a link, I think it was yesterday, and it was a montage of every single big brand that's done a TV scene, this last thing. Basically, let's go buy B-roll footage, voiceover, chuck it on top since you know, for 50 years, we've been serving the people and for mm. since 1972. And it was just quite interesting that in the same moment, a hundred different creatives kind of came up with the same idea. <laughs> and I, I really thought it'd be a, a little bit wider, but I think you're exactly right to the point on, on brand building because what I've seen from my side is a lot of people going for the kill and execution on transactions to try and sell now, instead of realizing that it's about empathy and brand building with love and love and depth. How do you think the, has it been this, the same vibe here in America? Like what, what, what have you kind of seen from, I guess, the approach of those that are creating content in, in terms of a, a B2B or B2C aspect online? Yeah, so first of all, I mean, you saw that video, uh, you're seeing a lot of the videos being homogenized about COVID, but I check my inbox every day, uh, or at least for the first couple of weeks, and it was hundreds of mm. people, even if I associated with them one time, that gave me an update oh, on the, the email. The company. The, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was, I mean, then there's no spam filter for that because you've done business with them before or you've interacted with them before. But anyways, that aside, um, so <laughs> when you you look at the best type of marketing here, let me start with the, the ones that you, sh you, the type of marketing you shouldn't be doing. One is kind of that tone deaf marketing where you haven't changed your ad at all or your pitch at all. Uh, and those kind of stand out, unfortunately. So if you haven't changed your ad to be more empathetic, you don't even have to mention COVID, but to be understanding of what your customers are going through, it's probably not going to do so well. And people are going to remember it post COVID. And they're going to say, that was the company that really didn't understand what I was going through. And I've got a sour taste in my mouth about them. Now, the, the, the companies that are doing it right are incorporating, uh, even with humor, you know, the situations that we're all in stuck in our homes and not able to do a whole lot, but they're coming up with kind of these humorous videos, whether it's on TikTok or whether it's on YouTube or whether it's just an understanding of what we're all facing and how those brands can help. Those are the companies that will emerge stronger with a bigger, better brand and should hit the ground running when this is over. It's always the the story behind the story of the thinking of what, how does that actually relate back? Because I think you're exactly right, Mike. The idea of 
you know, when someone goes to like New Zealand saw a few pretty big missteps with a few big brands. And I don't think that they only just potentially stuffed up on it. They've potentially actually built resentment from the people they were trying to sell because now you have such a sour taste in their mouth. You know, there's people dying this and that and someone's trying to push some stupid product with some copy paste shit, mm -hmm. which was booked months ago. And you just kind of sitting there like, guys, what are we flipping doing here? So it has been really amazing to see New Zealand, like the, the, the strong leadership from many and, and how um, there's been lots of different uh, collabs and cross promotion between different businesses with how they're actually supporting each other and actually telling the story of support, not necessarily crafting the narrative of support. Um, mm, it feels that way anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree. Just be a human being um, in terms of your advertising and your marketing and you know what would you you wouldn't pitch your parents you wouldn't pitch your family or your significant other you would do it in a very empathetic way and it's no different right now with with your marketing or advertising just do it in a way that resonates with people given the situation we're all in it's not that difficult no exactly it's just put that extra filter of of care and empathy or context on on top of it instead of just copy paste yeah so coming at the, the the end of this so in uh, so say for, for New Zealand, uh, tourism's a, a massive part of, of the country's um, economy and that's today gone to zero. Now, at the end of this, they're going to have to re reshape and reimagine an entire new vertical in industry, which has brought in a lot of cash. Now, you know, you've seen there's some winners and losers. At the end of this, do you feel that marketing will have as many seismic shifts or changes do you feel the business models might that may have been there before might get broken like how do you feel marketing may change after after this after COVID ac yeah i've actually thought a lot about this um i think marketing will change in the following way um first of all i think we'll see a lot more people working from home uh, and I think we'll see a lot more video. Video is way up, uh, at least from before uh, the COVID started. And that's because people want to connect more, uh, whether it's a Zoom conference call, which you, you're seeing a lot of, or interviews like this, or what I do a lot of, which is just talking in front of a webcam, an HD webcam, and putting it out there just to keep people educated as to you hear the businesses that pivoted and are successful or hear the things you shouldn't be doing right now, you know, just educational stuff. But video is a way to transmit that, not so much via the written word or even in some cases podcasts. I, I think, you know, you, you'll see a big increase in podcasts as well. We'll see how many people actually continue to do them after this. But people want to connect and they've learned they can connect with inexpensive technology like video cameras or even your iPhone or, or a podcast. And a lot of people see the value in that and they'll continue on. So marketers understand this now, at least the, the good ones do. And we'll be moving more to that kind of format, that one-to-one -one -one or one-to-many human type of marketing. And you could do it inexpensively on video or podcasts. And, and I think they're seeing that it resonates more than just a blog post somewhere. Yeah, you, you touched on a point there that you were saying whether at the end of this they'll continue. So what I saw, and it's quite interesting because there's quite similar vibes. Obviously, New Zealand's ridiculously smaller compared to, to, to America. But the um, the wave of creators, which popped up real quick within mm -hmm. probably 
three days was mind-blowing like i had to do a little video of just like okay this is the webcam that i'm using this is the microphone this is this because yeah. i was just getting bombarded boom, boom, boom. i'm like here you go boom, boom, boom. and just just full of like um web summer here interview with this boom, 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 all these new creators and then to your exact point Matt, i was thinking well when this is done are you only doing this reactionary because you're either you know you need to stay relevant in the public eye. You need to try and sell some shit. You need to do whatever. When this is finished, will you keep that consistency? And if you don't, will you actually potentially lose out favor because there is no, um, there's no uh, consistency to it. There's no ongoing care. So I'm kind of think there's going to be, you know, this first wave everyone's rushed in and already mm -hmm. we've, I've started to see a bit of a drop off of like one or two that tried it. And it yep. kind of, I bring, I, I bring back to this thing of, you know, you've all got the same time, we've got the same tech, but do you have the talent? And a lot of that talent pool that thought they could have already realized by the second or third week they couldn't and on top of that the the the, the creators who thought they were really creative all of a sudden are stuck there they've got the same assets as everyone else which is time the microphone and a camera it's like well what are you going to do with it so in a weird way i think this is almost forced um it's, it's brought up some new creators which probably never had had a voice before which is awesome but simultaneously i feel that um it's exposed a lot of uh, creators who have done it just for doing it not are actually doing it for the right reasons so i think there's going to be quite post this will be interesting to see that that drop off of you know like it was in the app store of like i've got an idea for an app and there's just this wave and then now you've got that next thing so i'm wondering from a creator's side where um you think that you think that will go yeah yeah i don't think this is any different than uh you go into your gym on new year's eve or i'm sorry the day after new year's day and you start to see an influx of people that want to get fit and a lot of these people won't see results for the first couple of weeks because, you know, it takes a while to get fit. And the, the ones that are less disciplined start to drop off. The ones that stay disciplined and start seeing results after the first month or two months or three months, they're the ones who are more likely to stick with it. But, you know, ultimately, I think you're right. I, I think of the ones that have started during COVID, I'd probably say 10%, you know, survive beyond six months. It's, yeah. it's not going to be a lot. What, what, what people need is a community around them. They need to see that people are interacting with them with these videos. you got to give it 90 days. You can't expect the audience to happen unless you already have one uh, within 30 days. you got to give it 90 days, and you really have to get some feedback from your audience as to whether this matters to them or is relevant to them or provides value. And then even beyond that, you've got to be kind of entertaining or educational or interesting. And if you can't combine all that and you're not that person, you know, then you work with influencers or then, you know, you figure out something else to do. And it's not easy. No. It's, yeah. It's always funny. It'd be, you know, in, in, in the media landscape, people, videographers where you think, oh, if I just get this camera, then I can do it. If I just get this, this next red 8K, then I can finally be it. It's like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It's, it's creativity with a um, thing. Like one of my ones that I was always really proud of is I had like an iPhone 7 and I got to 1.7 million people just using social stuff, but through the phone with no spend or zero ad. I'm like, if I can do it with this, and I, I, I stubbornly, because I was a bit of a dick about it, I, I just kept that for like, way longer than I needed to and it had a cracked screen and all the rest of it and every time I would sit there with someone and they would complain I'd just look at their phone and as, as soon as I saw it was better than an iPhone 7 I was like you've actually got no excuse because it is about it's not necessarily that you know tech is just a tactic what do you then mm -hmm. do with it what's that thinking behind it what's you know just all those other bits and pieces that's kind of cool that it's you seen it kind of the similar way one of the things I've been maybe ask you on is 
with all these these creators and people and businesses that have gone remote and then all of a sudden there's these new different revenue streams that are trying to come on digital sort of channels what are some of the biggest i guess pivots you've seen from either traditional to digital or digital that have created new products and services what are some have there been any things that have surprised you around different ways or businesses people have pivoted to be able to um try and actually not only survive but potentially thrive and create new revenue streams through this yeah, and uh, I'm highlighting a lot of them. Um, one of the, the the ones that come to mind are, you know, escape rooms. Obviously, escape rooms in this environment, and I'm sure you have in New Zealand, aren't going to survive uh, because people need to be in an escape room when they're all together. And it's, you know, there's no way there's six feet of separation there. And then you've got this whole uh, disinfected issue. So one company in Canada decided, well, since we can't have people come to our escape room, we'll send an escape room-like experience to them. And so they came up with escape mail. So you get a package um, every week or every month, depending on your subscription. And it's got these types of puzzles that you have to solve in order to get out of this, you know, fake, you know, escape room, if you will. And, you know, a lot of parents uh, like that type of thing, keeps the child's mind active without having to, uh, um, you know, uh, allow them to play on the Xbox for too long. So that's one company that pivoted pretty fast and, and did it uh, mm. successfully. Their subscriptions are way up, and I suspect it'll be a new business model even after this is, this is over. Uh, another one that I could think of are you know, any kind of company that is concerned about local environments. There's this company, our, our local businesses, there's this company in Seattle that was selling their products in a retail store, and they came up with the idea of you know, designing a local box. And this would be a box that you would ship out to people with local products. So if you want to support your local neighborhood, these these neighborhood stores came together and they put one thing in a, a local box. It was I think it was called Seattle Box or something. And then they sold subscriptions to that and they'd be sent uh, every week, you know, one product from each of these stores. So that was very innovative and very creative. And a lot of people that want to support that local those local stores would subscribe to it and receive this box. So those are two, you know, two uh, use cases that I could cite right now. If you go to my LinkedIn feed, you can see I'm covering it. Uh, as soon as I see a new one or a set of a series of new ones, I, I posted in a video like this. Yeah, it's, it's been quite brave watching um, a whole lot of different lateral thinking across different verticals or, or ways that they can kind of craft new revenue streams on online and virtual. One of the ones I was thinking about yesterday, I might be keen to get your take on it, is what happens with summits and music and conferences, right? Like when everyone, there's a thousand different businesses, but everyone's doing their calls on Zoom or Google Hangouts or Microsoft Teams. How do you create, you know, how do you think these brands are going to, you know, seep through culture and experience in, in digital ways virtually, you know, like how do they scale that, that care and, and, and feeling and empathy of the brand or the, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's almost like in a weird way, it's almost a corporate has the same opportunity as a startup now to, to infuse culture and into, into brand. Do you have any thoughts around how, you know, this new virtual environment of, of business or, or marketing is potentially going to shape or change? Yeah, I mean, I'll use an ex another example of a company that gets it. Airbnb, you know, most people aren't traveling, so they're not renting somebody else's homes. Uh, and they have this part of Airbnb called experiences. And again, you had to travel. You had an experience with some uh, local company that took you out to deep sea fishing or something like that. Well, 
Now they just released, I think last week or maybe it was two weeks ago, called Online Experiences. So you could listen to a concert. You could listen, you know, all out of somebody's home. You can watch a magician do magic tricks. You can learn how to be a magician. Uh, just about anything uh, that you can imagine that could be shown online via video, you can now just go to Airbnb online and either sign up if you've got talent or if you're looking for some kind of unique experience that you're not getting on TV or Netflix, you can pay a buck or five bucks or whatever it costs to listen to a concert or learn magic or to, to do something else. So that's one way I, I think of, you know, looking at how this, how things could change or what, what those companies now that, you know, they, they can't have a physical audience, but can do on an, on a platform that's got a huge audience already. Yeah, the the pivot off with what what new product digital products and services you can give to existing clients is an interesting one. Yesterday, I was thinking about the idea of um, with no big music concerts or tours, what is going to be the play? What's going to be the opportunity in the music space for for big businesses and brands that aren't getting their, their revenue off touring? And I was thinking, well, I wonder if you know Spotify launched you know live virtual sessions with little upsells or whatever they've already got partnerships with the music it's just a digital format they're going to be doing just watching to see how these you know different opportunities sort of pop up within the within the, the marketing landscape what do you think will be um the biggest i guess marketing new new type of marketing opportunity for for brands after this like where do you think it's going to pop there maybe where do you think a lot more traditional spend is going to shift to in the next 12 months I'm betting a lot and I'm pivoting myself that it's going to be just what you and I are doing right now. Um, hmm. High quality video uh, from a webcam or an iPhone out of the office or the home. It's not hard to do. With Zoom, you can have a virtual backdrop. You've got a white backdrop. You could put graphics behind that. Uh, not expensive to do it. And you know, if, if you know what you're doing, you can, you can create a video sales funnel out of this. So as a marketer, I could take this inexpensive technology with an inexpensive microphone, uh, inexpensive webcam, and a Zoom subscription for 19 bucks, and I can guarantee you, and with a good editor that you can find on Upwork, I can guarantee you could produce pretty high-quality videos uh, that are en interesting, entertaining, and educational, as long as the talent sitting in front of the camera is good. That will sell, and it will drive people through a video sales funnel uh, that will sell your products and services. So I, I think that'll be one big change as people are using more and more video, they'll see the light and they'll want to do more what you and I are doing here, but you know, slightly different, obviously not, maybe, maybe it's an interview uh, format, but probably, hmm. you know, a format where someone's sitting in front of the camera and educating or entertaining people. Yeah. I've been, really intrigued watching how brands have pivoted sponsorship spend to what the other outputs will be and the these pop-up virtual summits things which have been happening but then that's that's almost just execution for an existing problem i think to your point is well, what is that potential new revenue stream and if we're talking about you know virtual sales funnels or, or virtual um yeah um, just that that whole wave of of what the new normal will be mm -hmm. like I, I could see you know a coca-cola or a mcdonald's or something being like all right well what would that look like if we took you know our brand into people's homes without the million dollar tv commercials what would yeah. that look like if we you know created you know virtual content challenges what would that look like if yeah so that's 
maybe it's it's more driving down the, the point of exactly what you said before is that the creativity is always going to be the variable you know the the story the brand what's that um thing and, and almost it, it, it brings a point of you're going to almost be incentivized to be brave to try things now and adapt because people are going to, they know your intent is right. They're probably going to give you so much more leeway, even if it eats shit and doesn't exactly pop the first time. Right. That's quite exciting from a brand's perspective because it actually means they're going to be able to, they should or be, be trying to do more. Do you think brands will get braver? Well, yeah, I think they, and they've been forced to do it. I mean, if they, I mean, if they're doing any marketing at all, they've been forced to do something like you and I are doing. Uh, another example, and then I'll, I'll apply to McDonald's, what I would be doing if I were McDonald's. But another example is this security guard, and, and I think he's an actor, but security guard at a museum in Oklahoma, you know, is leading tours, funny tours of the museum on a daily basis. And he posts it to Twitter. I think maybe he might even post it to TikTok as well, probably YouTube eventually, but just little snippets of video about a certain exhibit, super funny, super kind of geeky, but has got a big following outside of Oklahoma. So why wouldn't the McDonald's, you know, use a Ronald McDonald, whatever the mascot is, I know they've got several, and go behind the scenes at McDonald's and kind of show funny things that are happening, you know, when somebody's order is, you know, somebody makes, somebody orders something really funny, like 50 Big Macs and then one single fry or something like that. and. You know, why aren't they highlighting those behind the scene things right now and putting it out there as kind of entertaining content. And then at the end of it, the call of action is here's a, a $5 coupon for McDonald's order. Now, now I'm not advocating you eat McDonald's. I'm not judging you either, but that would be one thing that McDonald's could do, right? They've got a big following. Yeah. Well, on Tuesday in New Zealand um, at midnight, the, the drive throughs become open again. So the KFC, we're big fans of the KFC. And I think we're going to have traffic jams at midnight on Tuesday in New Zealand. Oh, wait. So you guys shut down? You shut down drive throughs in New Zealand? Oh, bro. Like, lockdown. The whole shit got shut down. Like, everything. Like, gone burgers, mate. Like, How are you getting food? Zero. Is it all delivery? Su- supermarkets. But wait, wait, wait. wait. Hold on a second. So you can go into a supermarket and be exposed yes. to people, but not a drive through <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Hey, well... well uh i i'm with you i'm trying to come up i'm trying to come up with a um an answer here i don't really have one well, it, it's hard to find some bureaucrats right i mean you can't <laughs> some of these decisions are crazy to you i i think to your your point though the what when you're talking about the the um the security guard at the museum is I'm, I'm also wondering if it's going to flip maybe this way we dig into a bit more of the influencer stuff where you know they're talking about macro to now it's micro influencers with with local mm-hmm. depth and knowledge but now if there's local content there's no reason there's global scale for it and if anything it's almost going to be an easier win for brands to go localize and, and handpick those with talent and give them master the COVID AC, um, it will look in the influencer world. How do you think that world's going to shift up and change? Because I've got a few a few ideas and I'm pretty passionate about a couple of bits, but I'm, I'm keen for your sort of take on, on wh- how you think this is going to play out. In the, you know, for influencers? Yeah. Um, good question. So, you know, influencers do a lot of this already. They're used to pulling out their phones and doing little funny things and, um, in terms of how influencer marketing will change as a result of this, 
I don't know if it'll change much only because they're way ahead of all of us, including the brands and, and the marketers as to how you can connect with people. I think they've been leading the way and I haven't seen anything different that makes me think, you know, they're going to change. Uh, maybe more, be more sensitive hmm. to people and not be so self-absorbed, hopefully, you know, hopefully that lasts. Um, that might be one way, but um, and maybe more behind the scenes type footage. People are very interested in people's lives right now and how they're coping with being quarantined. But I don't see much change. Hmm. Well, they'll be going... They've always gone direct to the consumer anyway. Yeah. They've taken the power from the brand where they've, they're customizing their own URLs, getting the affiliate pieces, getting their own, doing it themselves. And it's almost like because they can, there's no big corporation or board or, or PR agency or whatever to go through. It's just them pushing go and doing it. They may have someone, you know, navigating some commercial deals around it, but the speed, I think you're probably right. In, in many ways, you know, they're almost like the, the entrepreneurs of the business landscape where they go first, the businesses follow, followed by the, the councils and then finally eventually governments. I, I'm, I'm be interested to see what new models influencers themselves potentially come up with, um, with how they can take more control of their own destiny for it. If they know that there's going to be a big, um, I'm wonder, actually wondering as well if if brands are going more online and virtual, and that's a space where it's going to be converted off social. And if influencers are already in that space anyway, I'm wondering if there's going to be some ninja moves to actually try and take away spend from other um, agencies or, or PR companies or whatever else as well. But it'd have to be at some type of collective effort or model for influencers, not necessarily, um, you know, just a mere media buying agency or something. I think that'll be interesting to play out. It'll be, I'll be wondering if there's a gnarly creative influencer who's also got a good commercial head on their shoulders to be able to try and navigate those two worlds. Because the the reality is if everyone's online, especially on social, they've got the biggest pipeline of, of customers themselves. So they may as well try and own that themselves the whole way, right? I think a lot of influencers are doing that. Um, and then if you switch to brands, brands, I mean, they didn't really recognize it before. I mean, there are a lot of brands that work with influencers, but why didn't they become an influencer in their own space uh, I think I think you can make a case that brands will say, okay, we we now are connecting directly with our customers because we're forced to, uh, and we understand how influencers have done it in our industry. So perhaps we could stick some talent from our company. Maybe it's a CEO if it's a small business, or maybe it's you know uh, somebody cute and funny in marketing. Uh, for a bigger business, we could stick them in front of a camera and kind of let them go wild. Um, I don't know if corporations are there yet because they're so worried about the legal implications of what somebody might say if they're an employee. So mm -hmm. we'll see. I, but I, I, you know, I, I do a lot of business with companies and I do put talent in front of the camera and we're very careful about what they say. But I say, hey, you still got to be enter entertaining. You still have to be educational. Just have somebody in legal review the script ahead of time if you're in an industry that is you know kind of uh sue crazy here in the here in the u.s i don't know if outside the u.s it's it's as bad new zealand's pretty we we, we don't have laws we have suggestions <laughs> nice well, it's probably a better uh well unless they're legally enforceable it's probably a better system um what part of you, you obviously you know you, you're working with these big these big customers, these these big brands, big scale, the rest of it. What part of the whole ecosystem right now do you think is broken? What part of marketing do you think is just stuffed? There's so much. 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, what's not broken? Maybe. We'll get... Oh, it's not broken. I think what's not broken are we know email works. We know advertising on Facebook works. We know uh, we know things work, but we're not very good at what I call attribution, meaning you're doing all these things. What is really moving the needle for you? Because it's typically not the case, although you know sometimes this happens, where you see a Facebook ad and you immediately buy. Because you know most people are now conditioned to, to want to trust a company or see reviews or what have you. So there's usually five or six, seven touch points. And I think it's even getting bigger now because everybody there's so much noise out there. And so marketers are like, well, I'm doing all this stuff. What is what are the three things that I should be doing more of? And what are the 20 things I shouldn't be doing and wasting money on? And that attribution, I think, is a problem most marketers are trying to solve. And it's not easy, man. We, you can't really tell if somebody looked at a billboard and then got home and saw an ad on their phone and then purchased, right? It's, it's literally impossible unless somebody answers a survey, which, you know, good luck connecting all those dots. Mm. Um, so I, I think that's what's broken is kind of what works, what doesn't. Uh, there are some things, obviously, that you can measure and you can draw some inferences from. Um, but as marketers, it's, we're spending a lot of money and it's hard to kind of gauge what the ROI is of, of a single thing that you're doing. Yeah, I would, I would agree. It's, it's, it is tough and especially just the pricing on a lot of it as well. It's like, how, how do they justify that for no tangible actual numbers on the backside of it? If, if you're a, if you're a small business right now and you're not, you haven't embraced digital and Facebook and all the rest of it, you haven't done too much. If you were a traditional small business wanting to play in the, in the you wanted to start marketing in this, in this new world, what would the first uh, place you'd go to? So who's, who's their target customer? Would it be consumers or businesses? Uh, a, a B2C small business. Um, in New Zealand, I know a, a hairdresser from uh, a, a small suburb of Auckland or a, a gardening service or something. So the first thing I would do if you want to start with digital is work with either an influencer because they know your audience way better than you ever will if you're not engaged with digital. So that so working with influencer influencers isn't just because they're influential; it's because you can learn from them. So you learn from the influencer how they're engaging and talking to their audience. You collaborate with them, and you learn and watch and say, "Okay, I learned all this, all these things about my customers. Now I can apply them to my business." The other thing that you might want to do first that uh, might be a little less expensive but more complicated is to create a bunch of ads on Facebook. Guess at your audience, unless you've got very good avatars. Uh, and information about your customers. Um, and you know what pixels are. You could take pixels from your website and, and upload uh, you know, that, your email list to, to Facebook and remarket. But um, yeah, most companies that are just starting out don't, know, don't even know what I just said, much less know how to do that. So I would, I would test with Facebook ads or I would go with an influencer that already knows their market and your customers and partner with them, collaborate with them, and then learn as much as you can about them and then start to apply those learnings to your marketing and advertising. That's what I would do. Yep. Start simple. Get 
people that have the they know the nuances of how to communicate with those you're trying to get to and then um probably saves a lot of the work because you're not trying to duplicate it yourself right yeah um, i mean you could spend millions trying to figure it out brains shortcuts. do, <laughs> brains do. Shortcuts for that yeah um danny says um can i ask what the best thing you do to keep yourself in the right mindset to have your game face on each day good question danny that's a question for me huh well uh great question so for me i'm always looking for opportunity uh even in this situation right now i can assure you you go back to 2008 and you look at all the companies that were born in 2008 during the last recession airbnb slack there is a ton of opportunity right now. Right now, um, I've pivoted uh, in that. I'll, I'll make. I'll be making an announcement in the next couple of weeks. But look for the opportunity. Look for the blue ocean. Kind of predict where the world's going to be in six months, and pivot to a solution. If you're in services that addresses that, or if you're a product, you know, is is there something you could do differently with that product, like start delivery services, for example. Um, just recognize what the world's going to be like in six months and make sure your product or service still fits in it. If it doesn't, then I suggest you start, you know, looking at changes. Yeah. What get, what's, what gets you most fearful about the future of marketing or digital after this? What are you scared oh, of? For me, I only see an increase. So I'm not really fearful. What I'm fearful of is the overall economy tanking like it has. And so the more that tanks, the more people are out of work. Uh, the wor I mean, we'll be entering depression if we're not careful here. Um, and maybe the stage has already been set for that. At that point, you know, nobody's spending that much money. They go into a conservation mode. And, you know, there are always going to be some industries that thrive. But for the most part, if people don't have a lot of money to spend and they're not consuming and they're not buying things, then everybody suffers. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you, you might move to New Zealand, mate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if I had to be moved to another country, that would be one of the top ones in my list. That's for sure. That's a, the correct answer and a great way to leave it. Um, I know you're a very busy man and, and you've got your, you know, you've got a whole bunch of stuff on. So I really appreciate the time, man. It's, um, it's cool. Just talking, um, talking media marketing, digital in the, in the landscape and knowing that, you know, New Zealand's not, not, not too far behind. So it's, it's good to know that the thinking we've, we've got pretty much, we're pretty much there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a global world. There's no reason for anyone to be behind in New Zealand. I mean, especially if you're digital, don't you, you shouldn't be behind, really. Yeah, 100%. Dude, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it, bro. My pleasure. Awesome, mate. See you soon. Okay. Peace. Mega. Smart man. Brand, storytelling, empathy with the creative, make sure it's got context. If you're a small business starting out, he's saying go with local influencers plus um, Facebook ads. So obviously that's where they put potentially not Google SEO, I think what he was trying to say. Um, and then any of that stuff, if you don't know, literally just go to YouTube and you can be able to um, click and click and roll it there. Uh, cool. I know this is a bit of an early morning session, but because in America it's five hours ahead, it was actually already midday in America, so this isn't too bad. But then if you're just waking up in New Zealand, then this would seem earlier than usual. So we're getting into the mix there. And we'd be doing it, um, one of the ideas that I've been having is it's it's cool that we have all these New Zealand thinkers, but exactly to Mark's point before, is now digital and everything's a global world. So why not try to get some different international thoughts as well? So later this week and um, next week, we've got a couple of different international guests who are gonna be joining us. 
um, that have, um, you know, seen some pretty big stuff and, and are pretty um, weapons in their own uh, in their own lane. So it's uh, cool to get Mark on the show. Um, Google him up and uh, check him out there. So uh, Fanatics Media, CEO, founder, and uh, one of uh, Forbes' top 20s uh, CMOs on social. Cheers, team. See you soon, eh? Deuces.